Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you and thank you and praise you. Help us never to take you for granted. Help us never to take prayer for granted. Help us to face the difficult, Lord, to be willing to do the difficult good. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of the life that you've given to me. I thank you, Jesus, for the blessings and the gifts and the graces that you've poured into the lives of those who are listening to my voice right now. I repent uh, together with them for all of those times that we have been slow to thank you, where we have taken for granted health, uh, relationships, goodness that has come to us from our families, Lord, I pray for those who are in difficult times, who are in circumstances that are harsh, trials that are that are great. Lord, help us to recognize that you know us and call us by name. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you hear what I just said? We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name, in the holy name of Jesus. I'm sure you've heard it said how many times, if you've listened to any sort of faith development type programs or in homilies, when you name someone in the scriptures, a name is a a doorway to their identity, or it's a way of expressing the innermost secret of who someone is. The concept of a name, it's a big deal. It, it, it's, a, it's a big deal to not only know someone's name, but not only even to just call them by name, but it's how you relate to them and the way you speak their name. One of the things that I've noticed about Um, folks who struggle in life greatly and maybe who struggle a lot with their family of origin is that they'll change their name. And I don't even mean their last name, but I mean their first name. They'll, they'll, They'll make that shift in how it is they want to be named. Because how they're named is an expression of how it is someone comes to know them. And when they want to do something as significant as change their name, they're they're saying something about their innermost self, their deepest sense of identity. That's why if you listen to talks by exorcists, those who deal in spiritual warfare, One of the things that will come up is be careful about speaking harsh words, words that are an aggressive attack, that are spoken against someone by naming them in a negative way, in a dark way, in a way that is mean or demeaning. Literally, yesterday, Carrie, I I referenced uh, a text, a a post on Facebook. And uh, this fellow was talking about a decision that his daughter had made, 16 years old, and he was being very supportive of his daughter. And I called him an idiota. <laughs> I just said it in Italian, but you know what I meant in English. And she, she immediately corrected me. She said, Tom, don't, don't say that word. And I didn't consider it like a curse word, a swear. It, it wasn't kind. It wasn't nice. But she reminded me. He's like, Tom, you, you remember what the scriptures say? Jesus says, you know, don't don't refer to someone as a fool. Right? Don't don't speak 
about someone's identity in a way that is carrying something negative, harsh, or uh, characterizes their, their deepest self in a way that is not dignifying their identity as creatures of God called to be children of God, ones whom God lovingly holds in creation, the one for whom Christ died, and the one whom God is called to an elevated existence, who is invited into a privilege beyond imagining to be able to call God by name, Abba, Father. Name, name, name. These, this, this reality of name. It's like, okay, we better be paying more attention to our use of speech. And, you know, have a care, take good care to how it is we speak about each other and call them by name. Now, when you pay attention to the scriptures, oh, by the way, where am I going with this? I'm going to talk about how does we talk to our kids, and then even just the concept of naming. Like, where did the kids' names come from? By the way, where did this theme come from? <laughs> like, where, Tom, where'd you get all this? Well, two days ago, it was the feast of St. John Mark. Did you know that? St. John Mark. Oh, no, wait a minute. What are you talking about? It was the feast of St. Mark, the evangelist. Yeah, but if you take a look at St. Mark the Evangelist in the Acts of the Apostles, you'll discover his name is John Mark. Oh, by the way, my oldest son is named John Mark. So there's a story there, and, and I'll tell the story a little bit later. But in two days, there's also an, another incredible feast day, or it's just coming up over the weekend. It's the Feast of St. Catherine of Siena, an amazing saint. And by the way, I have a Mary Catherine. And that Mary Catherine, my number three daughter, was named after St. Catherine of Siena. Again, naming. The, the, the naming of a child is so uh, not only like beautiful and critical and important, but it's mysterious. There's something at work here. So... Uh, last point I'll say before I dive into this sort of theology of names and how important names are is to understand blessings and curses in Scripture. How we're called upon to bless our children and not curse them. But whether we like it or not, whether we choose it or not, whether we sign up for it or not, the way that we relate to our loved ones around us, parents, siblings, uh, spouse, children, grandchildren, and then you can go wider from there, but just stay in the, the most dense relationships, the, you know, the, 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 the richest, deepest, enduring relationships that God establishes in your life. The name, how you call someone by name, is, is a daily occurrence. And as parents, we can set a standard. Not, not, not can. As parents, we set standards by how we live. And one of the standards that we hopefully can live and raise up is a standard of blessing, not cursing. A standard of building up, not tearing down. A, a spirit of edifying rather than binding up. And to realize that's what's at stake in how we are present to each other, yes. How we relate to each other, yes. How we behave towards each other, yes. But in a very special way, how we talk to, with, and about each other. Parents, this is a pure gold opportunity that you have every day in front of you to be a blessing. Be a blessing, not only by how you look at your kids and how you relate to them, but by speaking to them words that will breathe life into them, inspire them, that will uh, put vigor into their bones, courage into their heart 
to encourage them. Words that will build them up, edify. Words that people speak only the words that uh, that people need to hear. Things that will really help them. Right? As was that Saint Paul says that. See only the good things that men need to hear. Things that will really help them. Boy, that's not easy. But it's so important that we learn how to affirm, how to speak, how to call people, call our loved ones by name. And, and use words, terms of endearment that are maybe other facets that will help build them up. And so naming your children, naming, is, is a powerful way of, of speaking something about their identity, right? In the scriptures, let's, let's go to the scriptures real quickly, and it would, this would take program after program, but I'm only going to highlight just a few. Well, let's start off with Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, means what? Yahweh saves. God saves. Matthew 1.19, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. God saves. So the name of Jesus, does it, does it bespeak, does it point to and express his identity or his purpose? Does it give a vision for who he is? Or does it express what he is to be about? And you know, if you listen to the last couple programs, <laughs> it's the Catholic both and. The answer is yes. Who is Jesus? Yeshua, Yahweh. He is Yahweh. He is God. And what is he here to do? Well, what does God do? Saves. Yahweh saves. Jesus. So speak the name Jesus and you're getting at who he is and what he's about. God saves. Now, when we take a look at the name of Jesus in our lives, on our lips, what do we see? We see blessing. We see a blessing available, the availability of a blessing and of a curse. Ouch. Depending on how the name is used. We all know the way that it's a curse. It's a, it's a blaspheming of the name. It's a disrespecting of the name, a misuse of the name. It's taking the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. When you take the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, and you use it as an expression of frustration, as an expression of surprise, as an expression of disgust, as a, an outburst of ang anger, that is terrible. It's terrible. And it is rampant in movies and media, but it's something that we shouldn't permit. It's something that we should obviously not be doing ourselves, but it's something that we ought not to permit or promote in our homes either. And so my kids know, even my kids that are in high school know, even, even beyond high school, <laughs> anybody, any of my kids' friends that come into the house, if they say a word that is on the forbidden list of words that are spoken in our house that maybe the wider world does not have a sense not sensitized to regarding it being a swear word or or an innoble use of speech that's how i like to talk about it god gave you lips and that's how you're using it god gave you the power of speech and that's how you want to spend that that life energy saying that word no not acceptable not acceptable. What's also not acceptable in our home in terms of the use of speech is using words that are, let's call that mimicking the swear word. They mimic the swear word by being a slightly different version of it. But anybody who's paying attention knows that that's all it is, is a softened version of what is a curse word a swear word, a vulgarity. And so we also don't let those words be spoken. We want our kids to know that one of the standards for living a noble life, an honorable life, a godly life, is found in your speech. And let's work on it in our homes to not settle for less in our speech. 
But that that's only the negative side. There's something far more powerful and important, and that's the positive side of speaking the holy name of Jesus Christ and what difference that makes. And we'll talk about that next. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. To be honest with you, it is a busy time. It's a busy, these are busy days for me, and I'm tired. <laughs> but it's a good tired. I got to tell you why it's a good tired. I have been blessed with the opportunity to help families in their discernment and taking action regarding one of the most substantial and, and significant things things they ever do, and that's move. And it's not easy. It is not easy. One of the principles that you'll discover in uh, psychology about uh, behavior change or change of life circumstance is that people will often stay in situations that are painful, situations that involve suffering, because they're known, they're familiar. And so there's a sense of being comfortable and even secure. And so being comfortable and secure in, in a relationship that is marked by painful speech, harsh, demeaning speech, or being in a, in a life circumstance at work that is harsh and demeaning and difficult and involves trials and difficulties and daily sufferings, but we stay in it because it's known to us. And the idea of moving to an unknown situation, well, where would I work? What would I do? What would that be like? Where would I move? What would that be like? How do I interrupt this flow of speech and not settle for it anymore? That, wow, a wall of resistance comes up. And it has an asymptotic uh, 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 type of, of... experience, experientially. What does that mean? What it means is that the more you move towards the change, the more you move away from what is known, the greater the resistance is. And the closer you come to departing the situation that you would actually break free, the resistance goes to infinity. So it feels like that. It feels like there is no escape. There's no breaking free and getting out and getting beyond that circumstance, even though there's suffering involved. And so change is not easy. Change is not easy. And so I do consider it a privilege to walk with families. And uh, I've been doing that now for uh, a year and a half, uh, walking with them and um, serving folks in, in whether it's the, the biggest thing is I'm serving them and helping them discern what's the right next thing for their families. And for some, it's staying in place and changing how they're living. They're living to live a more intentional life and maybe shift where their kids are schooling or how they're being educated or the kind of ways they're going to live in intentional relationships with those around them, even though it's going to mean greater sacrifices and commitments to be able to preserve the good of their kids' well being. And for others, it's Time to go. We're going to uproot, and literally uprooting is that you can hear the tearing involved. The tearing involved in uprooting is so hard. So to be able to say, it better be worth something. There better be something on the other side of the, of the movement away from the suffering that I'm involved in because it's harder and harder and harder. There, there better be a breakthrough to something that is much more life-giving, fresh, and uh, clean and um, that would lead to flourishing for the kids. And that's what, that's what so many people have found in making a move away from an environment that has been toxic to kids' faith. And so if uh, you want some help discerning that, and that discernment also involves buying or selling a home, potentially moving and discerning what that would look like, please reach out to me. It would be a privilege to serve you. It'd be a privilege to do that. You can do that at drtomcurran.com. That's my real estate website, drtomcurran.com, dr, drtomcurran.com. And just click on the, hey, click here, free consultation with Tom. We can meet by phone over Zoom. Or just send me a message, and I'll reach out to you by phone and talk to you, free of charge. It's my attempts to help you discern and get clear about what the right next step is for you. 
that's a big deal. There's a lot at stake. And when there's a, the more there is at stake, the more seriously we're called upon to take action. The more there is at stake, the more seriously we are called upon to take action in order to realize the good or avoid the evil that is impending, encroaching, that is present in the moment. So, coming back to names, I talked about the way in which it's a common and, and terrible thing that the name of the Lord is used in ways that are sacrilegious and uh, unholy. But the positive side is that the name of Jesus, when spoken reverently, has power. Has power. Now we hear it right in Scripture. You're very familiar with it when you hear it in Scripture, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. When you pray in my name, I will be with you. So Jesus, he has this promise that when you pray in the name of Jesus, and he commands us to pray in the name of Jesus, pray in his name, he's going to be operating. He's going to be present. And I, I emphasize that when I talk with people and I say, look, we're going to pray right now. and We're going to pray in Jesus' name. He, he's going to be present, but not passive. He's going to be present, but not passive. He's going to be present and moving in power. Present and moving in power. And when he moves in power, this isn't minimal power. This isn't light. This is the strength that comes from God. This is divinity. This is the strength that created the universe out of nothing in all of its intricacy, all of the wonders, all of the immensity, all of, of the just incredible intelligence that is behind one little atom, that God is also a personal God who has come into this world to rescue the creatures that he has created and elevated to be interlocutors, dialogue partners, to, to be familiars, to be those who are invited to converse with the eternal, infinite being who is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you have any idea who you are? Do you have any idea what you've been created into? Do you have any idea what wonders are associated with just literally being alive? And amazingly, beyond all expectation, beyond anything you ever did to deserve any of it, he has blessed you with a Catholic Christian faith in Jesus Christ. And that you're part of the body of believers, the church, that he established on earth to continue in time to be that through which he would operate and communicate not only graces, not only blessings and strength, but his very life, his very spirit, and through his spirit living in you to set you free, to begin even now to taste a bit of the peace and the joy and the victory over sin and death, the light and the life, the freedom and the well-ordered, harmonious, beautiful existence that he intends for you to enjoy with him forever in heaven, you can taste it even now. But not only that, you have been called upon not only to enjoy it, but to invite others into it as well. That is a quick summary of what your life is to be about. Holy cow. Who would have thunk? <laughs> Who would have guessed? And so when we speak the name Jesus lovingly, with devotion, with a personal sense of the person 
of Jesus Christ. My Lord, my Savior, my God, my Good Shepherd, my King, my Healer, when, when all of these meanings, all of these facets and features of Jesus' life are caught up in the speaking of his name, what the Catechism teaches and what the spiritual writers from all of our tradition make clear, all throughout our tradition make clear, is that when you speak the name of Jesus, he is present. Now, just to kind of, for those of you that are like philosophically saying, well, he's always present and he somehow it's not magic because it wasn't like he wasn't aware that you were there and that all of a sudden he was caught off guard and was like, whoa, someone said my name. I, I'm on duty. I better get over there and see what's going on. That's not what's happening to reverently approach the mystery of how the name of Jesus is connected to his coming with his presence and his power is to begin at the beginning, which is the initiative that God takes. The initiative that the Lord takes in your life goes even to the level of speaking his holy name. So whenever it is, that you would speak the name of Jesus with that sense of personal love, with faith and hope, with all of those other features that I've mentioned, guess where that inspiration came from? Oh, inspire. (laughs) In the spirit. It came from God. It was the Lord who stirred in you that desire to speak his holy name. I want to encourage you, please, 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 at the end of the program, or even now, maybe maybe I'll pray it. Maybe, you know what, I am going to pray in just a few minutes. I'm going to pray for you, with you. I'll pray, I'll pray an I prayer with, with you and for you. That is a, a loving address to Jesus. I'm going to encourage you to pray that way on a daily basis, even multiple times a day. Why? I want to encourage you to gain a habit of familiar conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. That a regular, spontaneous, and consistent conversation with Jesus Christ is a huge blessing. A huge blessing. And it's one that he intends for us to experience. But how are we going to know unless someone teaches us? How are we going to know unless someone tells us? So I'm telling you, I didn't make it up. It's something that I was taught. It was something that I read. It was something that I've pondered. It's something that's in the scriptures. It's in the great spiritual writers. Devotion to the name of Jesus Christ. Where do you see it? Those of you that are older Catholics, I am now an old Catholic, (laughs) but even older than I am, And you also see it in some traditional Latin Mass parishes that when the name of Jesus is spoken, there is the bowing of the head. The the bowing of the head. You'll you'll see that. You'll see it. The priests will do it. And older Catholics will do it. When the name of the... and, And they won't even say the name Jesus. They'll say the Lord. They'll say the Lord. When our Lord and our Lady, not Jesus and Mary, when our Lord and our Lady, and it's a sign of reverence, it's a sign of holding in reserve, it's a sign of saying there's something holy about the name of God revealed, and we will not, we will not speak that name lightly. We will not speak that name without a due sense of, of reverence. And so to say our Lord Jesus Christ is to speak in a way that he has inspired because he's saying 
I intend to break into this moment. I want to break into your right now. I've got power and I'm knocking at the door of what it is you're facing right now. And when you speak my name, I'm there. You're speaking your name because I'm there. And when when you speak the name, what will be revealed to you is my presence that has always been there and my power, which now has the freedom to operate because you honored me and in honoring me, welcomed me into your moment, into your thinking, into your situation, into this relationship, into whatever's happening, you've welcomed me here. And I, the Lord, will exercise my saving power, my shepherding care, my kingly authority over everything happening in this circumstance. Don't you want that? Wouldn't you? Who doesn't want that? That grows in us through the concept of a name. Not just any old name, but the name above all names. So it says in Acts chapter 4, the name above all names, the only name of the one who saves, Jesus Christ. All right, we're up against the break. When we come back, I'm going to, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be praying for you, but it's a prayer with you, right? It's a prayer where I'll be praying on your behalf, in your place, for your sake. You'll see. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So I'm talking about names, and I'm talking about the name above all names. I'm talking about the importance of speech. Speak words that will build up, that will lift up, that will edify They will glorify, not words that are sacrilegious or blasphemous or words that tear down, diminish, and demean. It's too easy to settle for less in how we speak, but God has more for us. God has more for us, and it so much of what he has for us is going to be connected to our names. Allowing the Lord to speak to us by name and our lovingly speaking his name. And out of that dynamic, out of the dynamic of the Lord calling us by name, speaking our name into our hearts, into the core of our being, will unbind and set us free. And then we we will speak his name. Out of the, the depth of that experience, of that encounter with his presence and his power that will only make the use of his name, our own bringing of his name into circumstances and situations through prayer or through a reverent introduction and conversation, that Jesus is on the march. He's on the move. He's doing something. And so we're going we're gonna to go with that right now. Jesus wants to do something in your life. He wants you to grow in your own familiarity with him. And he's given you a way to do it, becoming more familiar with his name. To learn to speak his name and to be schooled and formed in speaking his name with love, with tenderness, with a great sense of care, as well as with awe and wonder. And we do that through prayer. We do that through talking to him. And again, this is something that we we don't often get taught. Most of us were not taught anything beyond the beautiful, powerful, and important prayers in the scriptures and in the life of the church. The Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, right? The Hail Mary, the Glory Be, the Act of Contrition, uh, the the Creed, the St. Michael Prayer, Right? So certain key prayers that we, we learned. But those formal prayers, discursive prayers, might have left on the sidelines any sense of confidence or, or personal nearness of, of God. And so I, I know this because it's the, it's the most asked question I get in, in 30 years of doing church work. The most asked question is, I don't know how to pray. 
I, I know I'm supposed to pray. I, I hear all the time, pray at least 20 minutes a day or pray at least 10 minutes or just say a prayer or sometimes it gets stretched out a half an hour or an hour or pray a rosary and family prayer or a whole variety of, of types of prayer at different moments of the day. But I don't know how to do it. No one's ever taught me. And so don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. Don't, but don't let it stop you either. So when I do what I'm doing right now, it's so that you'll have a model. You'll have something to lean on. It's like Jesus uh, had Simon help him carry the cross. I want to help you. I want to be like Simon, be drawn into service to walk with you as you're carrying a cross because you're not supposed to carry it alone, that Jesus is with you. And the cross that you're carrying is the cross that he has already carried, but he wants you to know that he's with you in the midst of you carrying your cross. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, I speak your name, and I acknowledge, Jesus, that I don't often say it in a way that's very personal. Lord, when I say your name, Jesus, I don't regularly, often, or maybe have ever been aware that you're with me when I speak your name. Lord, I I am not aware consciously that my speaking your name in this prayer right now has been inspired by you. It, It feels like, Lord, that it comes from me. And I don't know what to do about that. But I do at least this one thing with that. I consciously, intentionally speak to you. I come to you right now and whatever whatever that means in my heart and my spirit, I, I don't I'm not really moving anywhere, but on the inside, Lord, I'm moving closer to you. Jesus. Jesus, can you please give me the the graced awareness that you are beckoning me, welcoming me, drawing me to be close to you the way that the Apostle John, your beloved disciple, was close to you at the Last Supper. Lord, when I say that, it sounds odd. It sounds foreign. It sounds a little bit hokey to think that somehow my saying those words would bring me into a mysterious nearness to you. You're you're, you're in heaven, Lord. You're, You're risen from the dead. You're glorified. How can my saying these words, even if they're inspired by you, Lord, I don't understand how they would somehow connect me to you in that kind of intimacy. But I know that I want it. Or if I don't feel like I want it, I know that I, I, I should want it. I should want to have that sense of nearness to you. I, I do believe that if I knew that you were that close to me and you were wanting me that close to you, that I would go for that. I would pursue that. Lord, I'd be committed to that. If, if I had even any confidence that when I pray, if I would get up early in the morning and pray, earlier than I do now, and, and the purpose of my prayer was to allow you to draw me into personal nearness, And that you, in the beating of your most sacred heart, the beating of that love would wash over me, it would soak into me, it would would settle into the core of my being and begin to unbind and set me free the way that you called forth Lazarus from the tomb and you said to unbind him and let him go free. And look, that's what my prayer is going to be. That's what my prayer could be. Jesus, yes, I want that. Please, I want that. And, and I don't even know. I'm not even aware of the, 
the places in my life that are dead. I'm not as aware as I should be of those places in my spiritual life that are not honoring you, that are that are like binding me up from going deeper, that where I'm stuck and I don't even realize it. Jesus is so much I am ignorant of, but I know that I'm ignorant of you. I know that there's more to you than I've yet experienced. And that's not saying anything profound. Of course there is, Jesus. There's more to you than I know. But I want to know. I want to know in my bones. I want to know your presence and your power. I'm hearing about your power today. Jesus, I want to experience the power that comes from you as the risen Lord of all creation. And that means not just trees and forests and the North Pole and distant galaxies. It means my life and my family. Jesus, Lord means that you're in charge and have power and authority over what happens in your kingdom. And so, Jesus, I consciously, I intentionally, I, in my own will and mind and heart, say, We are moving into your territory, Jesus. I am moving my loved ones into your heart, into your kingdom. That's what I want, Jesus. I want to dwell in your realm. And I want to have a confidence that your presence and your power are not only at work, when I'm praying, but they're constantly present as I'm living. Jesus, that's what I want. But, but I can't make that happen on my own. I realize that, that that's a gift. But I do know this, Jesus. I'm convinced of this. I do not deserve that gift. I just don't. I fall short in embarrassing ways. And I thank you, Lord, that they're hidden, but they are embarrassing. I'm ashamed. And like Adam and Eve, I I hide. It's easy to want to hide when I let you down because it's personal. I don't always remember that, but sin is personal. It's a betrayal of, of you of the relationship that you want from me, of, of my commitment to, to be true to you. It is a betrayal of the graces that you give me even when I'm tempted and I say no to those graces and I say yes to the sin. And so I know that this whole idea of living in your kingdom, living under your providential care, your protection and your leadership, guiding me and my loved ones? Jesus, I want that. I say yes to that. And I don't let my lack of deserving hold me back any longer. Jesus, I say to you, I love you. I do love you but I want to love you more and I need to love you more and I need to to have that love be more than simply a feeling, an emotion. I want it to, to be manifest in how I live, what I say, what I do, what I think about, what I spend my life energy on every day. I want Every day to be a day where I'm honoring you, I'm acknowledging you in your presence and power, I'm testifying with uh, an abundance of joy that you are the living God and you are coming to bless. And I'm here to tell you the story. He has blessed me. That's what I want, Jesus. And I just want to go deeper with you every day. And, and And I'll end on this, Lord. If there is a gift I could ask for, 
it would be the gift of recognizing and adoring your presence and your power in the Eucharist. That's what I want, Lord. Please give me that gift. Recognizing your presence, your personal, intimate, divine presence as Eucharist. Jesus, that's what I want. I want to be able to to say the name Jesus as I'm gazing upon the host, the Eucharist, and, and to somehow come to know that it's you that it's really you, that that's you, and that you, that's how much you love me, that's how much you love us, that's how much you love this world, that, that you become that accessible to us. And one last gift, Jesus, while I'm here. I want to be able to hear your voice in the scriptures. They're confusing. I don't always understand them. I don't know where to begin, just like in prayer. But somehow I want, when I read the Gospels and I'm reading stories about you talking to people and teaching, I would love to know, I would love to have that knowledge that when you were saying those things, that somehow I was also in your mind. Somehow, in this mystery of of prayer and creation and you and your Lordship, that you knew me, you had me in mind, a little twinkle in your eye that, that I was, even though I was going to live 2,000 years later, that you knew me back then. So that when I read the scriptures, they're also a personal address from you to me. I'd love to know that. Please, Jesus. I'd love for that gift to be a living gift in me too. Well, Jesus, thank you for just being patient and walking with me in this prayer. Thank you for listening. And I thank you, Lord, that somehow you even were the one that inspired all of this. And I do pray this in your holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, I went a little long. I'm going to take a break. When I come back, we'll talk about what just happened. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Wow, that was a prayer. That was a Jesus prayer. That was a personal prayer of a disciple of Jesus talking to Jesus in, in a way that was hopefully reverent, authentic, honest, in a way that was simply trying to speak from the heart and acknowledging that Jesus was really there. So I hope that that was a blessing to you. I hope that that way of praying was a blessing to you. I I just, I know that it's not something that a lot of Catholics are familiar with, but I hope that having done this now for, well, almost 20 years on the radio. Yeah, it's 20, 20 years this year that I've been on, the, on Sacred Heart Radio and uh, 18 years, five days a week, having a daily program, that I do this with a, a degree of regularity that hopefully it's something that has washed over you if you've been walking with me for a long time. <laughs> So, um, but let's let's roll into this a little bit. What are you going to do about that? Well, the first thing you can do is this, is if you found that prayer to be a blessing, you can always go back and listen to it again. Uh, you can listen to it, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org, you can listen to the podcast version, and just remember it's about two-thirds the way through, and then just pray that prayer. Let that prayer pray. In fact, I'm going to tell... Uh, our producer Amy to cut out that prayer and just post it separately on Facebook and YouTube just as a prayer to be an encouragement to folks so that you can lean on it. You don't have to try to make it up. You don't have to try to figure out, like, what do I say now? What did Tom say there? I don't remember what that was. No, lean on the prayer. Let, Let that prayer carry you. And then where it doesn't fit, 
just block it out. And then where it, it touches you, run with it. Go deeper, pause the prayer, and then you run with it. Right? Don't be, don't feel like there's something wrong with you if you need to lean on the prayer of someone else to help get you there. I know that one of the beautiful and poignant ministries that God has allowed me to be a part of since I've been doing church work and since 1989 and even before then, since I had that awakening of faith in 84, is praying with people. To pray with them that Jesus would move, that Jesus would act. And, and, and it's taking the same principle, the same idea, that Jesus takes the initiative when we pray. It's the Holy Spirit that moves us when we pray. And so if we're praying together with others, not just praying ourselves, because that's what my prayer was today. It was really about how do I pray? What do I do when I'm getting started in my prayer? But that can carry forward to others. Do you get that? Do you see that? The more you become familiar, comfortable, confident, and mature in praying those types of spontaneous prayers that come from God, that, right, right from the standpoint that it's the Lord who's inspiring, who's stirring, who's, who's prompting, that then you, you can gain in that sense of, okay, I'm in the flow. This is, this is from the Lord. Okay, am I supposed to go in that direction? No, I'm supposed to move in that direction. No, I'm supposed to wrap it up now and, and, and maybe mention something like this. I'm not taking dictation. I'm not like listening to God's voice and speaking. I'm just trying to sense what the Lord is doing in prayer through that little promptings. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's something that has to grow in you. It's something that you have to mature in over time, maturing that sense of living discernment to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's the instinctus, what uh, Ignatius of Loyola referred to as the instinctus, this having this instinct, this sensitivity to the Holy Spirit who's alive in us. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, all right? It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. So it is he who's going to unite us, who's going to uh, bring about a transformative union with the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that comes from the confidence of speaking his name. All of that is connected to knowing and lovingly speaking the name of Jesus. God saves. All right, I'm up against the end of my program. I hope I didn't even get a chance to talk about my kids' names. <laughs> but go with what you got. All right, and I got to go because I'm out of time. That's all I got. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more Sun Insight.